0: Welcome to Movable Dough. This is Steve Danielson. Each week on Movable Dough, I sit down with a composer to talk about their lives, their musical journeys, and, of course, their music. Come with me as we explore each unique path into composition and what they have to share with the world. For a complete archive of episodes, as well as access to the shorter segments called Movable Snippets, visit my website sdcompose.com slash dough. Hey, this is Steve. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Movable Doe. My guest today is Janice Cap perry Janice was born in Ogden, Utah, now lives in Provo, Utah. She received her music training at Brigham Young University, where she played percussion instruments in the concert band and orchestra. She has amassed an impressive catalog of almost 3,000 songs, 108 recorded albums, two full-length musicals, eight sacred cantatas, and albums in Spanish, Portuguese, Korean, and Chinese. Janice's works have been performed by the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, the Mormon Youth Symphony and Chorus, country duo Brooks and Dunn, Gladys Knight, the Oddsman's Second Generation, and many, many more. She has five children, 13 grandchildren, and 20 great-grandchildren. Janice Cap perry welcome to Movable Doe.
1: Thank you, Steve. <laughs> I'll do my best.
0: <laughs> so, Janice, I can't tell you what an honor it is for me to have you on my podcast yeah, and despite your large creative output, I know your name and music are not necessarily familiar to much of my audience. For me, however, you've been a household name since as long as I can remember. I'd like to start, though, by going back to your youth. So I understand that you were actually quite an athlete in your youth. What were your favorite sports to play?
1: Oh, uh, I was a fast pitcher until I was 40. Wow. I, I lived on a farm and my brother taught me how to play all the sports. He was four years older. And so... I just loved them my whole life, and, and I, I love playing all of them. But that's the one that I really focused on till forty.
0: Wow, you're playing I, you're playing fast pitch softball till forty.
1: Yes, for wow. the for for the church and for city teams.
0: That's fantastic. What position did you play, or did you just play all of them? Oh, you were, <laughs> you were doing pitching.
1: Uh huh.
0: That's awesome. Were you? Yeah. Did you enjoy other sports as well? Were you playing anything else?
1: Oh yeah, racquetball, volleyball any sport, even football with my brothers.
0: That's fantastic. So how did your music education begin? Were you taking piano lessons as a child?
1: Yeah, my parents were in a dance band all the time I was growing up and on our little farming community. They played for every dance I ever went to, school or church. And uh, we just had a home full of music. We had a mixed quartet of children Oh wow! And, and so we sang around the piano all the time with mother and my. my they played drums and piano in in the dance band, so it, it just came natural to me to be really interested in music.
0: Yeah, were you singing out in the community as well? S- singing. Yeah. Well, oh, you, oh, it wasn't a vocal quartet. It was an instrumental quartet.
1: Oh no, we we did the we just did the quartet at home. Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: Just at home. So I've heard you describe two lucky breaks that sort of launched your songwriting career. Could you tell us about these breaks that you had and (laughs) that helped give you the motivation and time you needed to write music?
1: Well, the main one was that I just before I after I turned 40, I broke my ankle playing basketball. And I just was. Devastated because I, I, I knew it'd be a long time before I could play again. And the bishop came the next day to ask to check on me and to ask me to write the roadshow music while I was laid up. And I said, "What makes you think I can write music?" And he said, "Just just a feeling. I know you can." <laughs> I said, "Well, I didn't know that yet." So. Uh, but i'll I'll give it a try i did study it for two years at byu but that's all so i propped my foot up and started writing and it was just magical i thought why haven't i been right he wanted all music because he said if it's original we'll we'll win (laughs) Um, i am competitive so i wrote 15 minutes of music that doesn't sound like much but it's a lot yeah and I just knew I couldn't wait to get past the road show so I could start writing for real.
0: That's fantastic. So, what what was the first thing you wrote after the road show? Do you remember?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, "Where Is Heaven" was the first song that I wrote. My my one brother played to have it published, and and my other brother, who's an artist, gave me a painting of Christ with the children to put on the cover. <laughs> no one was writing back then except. Lex Diazvedo. Right. <clears throat> I was in the sixties. And so I I took my little sheet music, door to door to music and bookstores, LDS. And it caught on so fast that no one because no one was writing, But then I thought, I'm I'm just gonna go all in. And so that was our I started writing other things other religious songs and where's heaven was our first album with uh well the second roadshow year merrill jensen was our our stake roadshow director and he says wow. time we time we recorded your music and i said no we can't afford it and he said find 10 people that will loan you a thousand dollars for a year and you'll pay them back with interest a little higher than they're getting." I hated doing it, but I did do it. I found five people and my mother gave the other five. Wow. (laughs) And uh, we had had it paid back in no time. We went to California, excuse me, and got big 78 LP records. Wow, that's fantastic.
0: (laughs) 5,000 them.
1: I don't know, they just took off just because almost no one was doing it, so. From then on, we got our line of credit until we didn't need one anymore and just kept going until I I think we've had 110 recordings. Wow. Uh, First we had 78 LPs and then cassettes. We didn't fall for the, what was the other one?
0: What, (laughs) the 8-track?
1: No, we didn't fall for that one. (laughs) And then there's c- CDs the rest of the time, but not even them now.
0: Yeah, now it's all just streaming and and online. We can't
1: even, we can't even give our CDs away <laughs> as gifts because no one has a player.
0: That's true. I teach middle school and none of my students have CD players. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I'm 84. It's all right to retire. I've had a couple of strokes, and but uh, have a good life. My husband died and. A few years ago, my children work with me, and we have—we still can have a lot of fun in music.
0: Yeah, that's great. Now, was the the count I gave at the beginning of the show correct? You have twenty great grandchildren. Is that, is that correct?
1: Yes, yes, is, it is.
0: That is quite the progeny.
1: The greats multiply faster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I think you are my first guest. That is a previous member of the prestigious Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, or as it was known then, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. You remember the choir from ninety-three to ninety-nine. So, what is one of your favorite memories from singing with the Tabernacle Choir?
1: Well, I never expected to be in there. So, when the first time they sang uh, "Battle of the Republic," I just about—I <laughs> I just couldn't believe I was there, and I couldn't couldn't even sing as, <laughs> as far as my my own music and they've done several of them it was when they sang a child's prayer and I I just thought I can't believe this is happening Craig asked me Craig Jessup asked me to write a, a beginning to it add, add something on at the beginning and so I for the tabernacle choir and we published it later as a choir piece I didn't add, add, add a and introduction to the song, and then they sing
0: it. Yeah, I believe I've done that with my state choir before with that arrangement. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, one thing I didn't know about until recently <clears throat> was your close collaboration with Senator Orrin Hatch. Uh, you've said a number of his poems and lyrics to music, including one that was performed at National Prayer Breakfast in 2001 and at the second inauguration of George W. Bush in 2005. So, how did this collaboration with Senator Hatch begin?
1: Uh, we were at the same funeral. His daughter married my cousin's son. Okay. And and uh, my cousin's sister had died. And so I came to the funeral and sold it over. And he came through the line and, and said, I've been enjoying your music. And I, I was kind of in awe of meeting him. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, uh, I, wrote, I write poetry, you know, we should collaborate. And I so said, he
0: reached out to you that's awesome
1: yes he did he said let's uh let's try it because i because i and you you'll have to critique me and teach me how and i said uh teach and hedge, okay <laughs> <laughs> and but he he did need some help because the lyrics are a little different than than just writing his poetry right i, w- I went back there with tabernacle choir after we got started and had lunch with him and his wife during, between concerts. And he pulled out a a book of poetry that he had written this thick. Wow. (laughs) And they were mostly about uh, political situations, patriotic things that he'd been involved in. And I thought, wow, (laughs) these are very good. And I said, there's a difference between lyrics and so poetry and so we would need to work together on that and he he said well teach me i'm i'm an open book you you just teach me i said well you send me you try writing a song and then i can critique it so i sent it and or, or he he sent me one and that's where we started i said here's what we can do in lyrics and here's what we can't do But he sent me 10 poems, not just one. said, I said, well, let's start with one. He he said it's really difficult being back there. He even used the phrase that it's sometimes the depth of degradation. Hmm. And he said, for me to be able to come home and concentrate on a gospel theme and write lyrics with you means everything. So in the end we have done recorded six albums of our things together. We both had a had a feeling about Heal Our Land. He had it when he was writing it. And it's one of the best things he ever wrote. And I had it when I was writing mine. I said, Orin, did you have the feeling that something big was gonna happen with this one? And he said, Yes, I I did. And it did.
0: Yeah, we'll get a chance to talk about that one uh, a little bit later in the program as well. I did not realize that he was so prolific at writing the lyric, or writing poetry oh, oh, yeah. and lyrics. That's amazing.
1: I didn't know it either until then. <laughs> but it turned into a, a wonderful friendship that really meant everything to me.
0: Yeah, so, what sort of he, quality did you find in his in his poetry that sort of kept this collaboration going for so long?
1: Well, it, it was. All in harmony with the gospel. Okay. And we wrote patriotic songs and we wrote church songs, but it was you know it's hard to tell the difference because the gospel was through his patriotic songs too. Yeah. I I think those are some of our best work actually the, the patriotic ones.
0: Wonderful. Well, you know Janice, you have inspired so many lives with your music. I wonder what other composers or songwriters have served as inspiration for you.
1: In the, well, I I didn't have any to begin with. <laughs> I did I didn't know of any people in the church who were writing. But here's what happened when when we didn't know that a primary book was coming out. None of us did the writers. And there were a few then, and but we felt just so impressed to write children's music, and so when they told us there was a hymn book, I sent in ten of my songs, and and they chose them. I mean they were ready, and so that's happened with some others. I guess one of my favorite writers is Vanya Watkins for uh-huh. the church. I love what she's done. Uh, If I could think about it, there's many others now, but uh, I don't know. I just felt my own urge to focus on children's music, and they had uh, they chose four of them, eight of them for the book, and then they commissioned two more, one on the steps of prayer, and.
0: And the other one. (laughs) And the other one. That's great. Um, So, before we talk about your music directly, I'd love to know about your process. When you sit down to write a new song, how do you start? Do you start with lyrics, or do you have a method you follow when you write?
1: Always lyrics. It's easier to shape music around lyrics than it is lyrics around music. Mm -hmm. I, I think i've talked to other people and i think that that's true of almost every everyone who writes yeah and so i i start with a poem just and, and when you have other verses you know they have to be just the same rhythm exactly from verse to verse and that's a, that was a little bit hard thing to learn to learn for some people that i write with including Oren. but he he got he got it too and he so I just do that. I had right when I started writing, I had something pretty awful happen to my hand. This this hand, and when I would try to try to write in this position, this these fingers would pull under, and my wrist would pull under. Mm. It was it was awful for me because that's what I wanted to do, and it has to this day it still does. Wow. But I, I had to I had to learn to. So I learned to write sitting in my chair. And I write the words. And when, by the time I'm done, the, the music is all there in my head. Okay. I, I can't spend a lot of time at the piano. This is rather painful. So uh, it's always just the music first and then the words. and And I do my best to play it. <laughs> Or I get my daughter to play it when it's written.
0: Do you do you write out the music by hand as well, or do you have someone else help write no, out the music? No, I,
1: I I write it out. I learned to do that at B, okay. during my B, BYU uh, music theory years.
0: And as technology progressed, did you still find writing by hand was the easiest, or did you ever switch over to like computer notation?
1: I never did. And But my husband did. Oh, yeah. At a certain point, we knew he had to join our company or we'd have to hire someone. <laughs> and he loved that. He loves languages and and computer languages. And he just took it over. I mean, every time he'd look in here and see if I had anything done, and he'd snatch it from me. He loved it. <laughs> so he did it for 30 years. He did all of it. And it was so convenient. But for me, it's just... Pencil and paper.
0: That's great. That's great. All right. Well, before we take a quick break, I'm going to ask you to play a quick game that this week we're calling Il Prete Rosso. I'm going to ask you a series of five true or false statements about Antonio Vivaldi. And you're a winner just for playing the game. So just do your best. And those of you at home, you can play along and see how many you get right. All right. Number one, true or false. Vivaldi received the nickname Il Prete Rosso, the Red Priest because of the color his face would turn when he lost his fiery temper. Yes. Uh, it's actually false. It's, it was due to his red hair. <laughs> I don't dare; I wouldn't know. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, number two, J.S. Bach reportedly disliked most of Vivaldi's music. Yes. That's actually false as well. He was a huge Vivaldi <laughs> fan hey, and transcribed man. several of Vivaldi's concerti.
1: I don't know who... Hardly who Vivaldi
0: is. That's okay. All right. Uh, Number three. The most recent lost piece by Vivaldi to be discovered was found in 2006. True. That is true. His opera, Agrippo, was last performed in 1730, just found in 2006. All right. Number four. True or false. Arguably, one of Vivaldi's most famous works, The Four Seasons was part of an even larger work called The Incredible Earth. True. Well, true-ish, false sort of a trick question on that one. They are part of a larger body of Twelkin Charity called The Contest Between Harmony and Invention.
1: This is awful. I don't know any of these things. <laughs>
0: it's okay. You're doing great. You're doing great just for playing. Last one. Through though he went to the monastery to become a priest, he had to abandon the call because of his asthma.
1: True and false.
0: (laughs) This one is actually true. So I'll I'll give it to you. The Mm -hmm. asthma prevented him from delivering the mass. So he had to give up being a priest. Okay. Well, thank you so much for playing my game. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will listen to some of Janice's compositions. Welcome back. This is Steve Danielson. I'm talking today with Janice Cap Perry. So one of the things we didn't talk about in the first segment of the show is that many of your best-known songs were written as a response to your faith and your membership in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So that is how I know Janice's music so well. Many of her songs are used by what is called Primary in our church, an organization for children from ages 3 to 11, where they learn gospel principles. Most of the pieces we're discussing today will fit into this category. We're going to start today with a child's prayer. This song begins with a heartfelt question that many people have asked through the ages, Heavenly Father, are you really there, and do you hear and answer every child's prayer? So can you tell us about writing the song and what you hope children will learn from it?
1: That's my, people ask what my favorite song is that I've ever written is, and it's that one, without a doubt. I mean, we, we've we spoken all over the world in several countries. Every primary knows it and sings it in their own language. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it was LDS Living Magazine took a had hundreds of people tell them what was their favorite song ever and and somebody told me did did you see their list and that A uh, Child's Prayer was number one wow I said no I don't think so <laughs> uh, I I didn't see it and I don't think it, cause it could be because I know who all the artists are and what beautiful music they've written so I called them up and said is that true and they said it's not only true it was by a landslide that that's their favorite song ever Wow! and, and uh, it, that's how I felt about it <laughs> I don't know it's uh, holds a special par- place in my heart and Tabernacle Choir kind of sings it now and then and I introduced every fireside I ever gave with a medley of my primary songs. With that, it's the first one. And everybody knew it. I, I don't know. It's It just worked.
0: Can you think back to when you wrote it and sort of what, you, what was in your mind as you were writing?
1: I've had, because of the disability with my hand, I have said a few times in my prayers, Heavenly Father, are you really there? And that prayer was never answered in, a, in the way I had hoped. I talked to Elder Maxwell once about it, and he said, "I can only say that the Lord will not withhold any blessing that is designed for your good. So you'll come to know that there's a reason for it for you to have that challenge. So I forgot about it and I, I can't play the piano in public it and that that was sad but truly that's what i was thinking of when i wrote it
0: that's great and i think the the message of the song is so wonderful and i think that's why it touches people because you have this this heartfelt cry in the first verse but then you have the answer in the second verse where someone's comforting saying pray listen your heavenly father is there and then you have this wonderful partner song where you sing both of those verses at the same time, and I think that's why it touches people so much.
1: Steve, when I first wrote it, I it was a child singing and it was the Lord answering, "Pray, right. I am here." <clears throat> the church asked me to change it. They said we can't quote the Lord with anything he didn't say. Uh huh. <laughs> that we know, but he said, "They said if you said pray." He, he is there. It can be sung by a parent <clears throat> or a parent and child or any two people. Yeah. And it was really good advice. And I, I learned had to learn that from them. So it was part of my education <laughs> by yeah, the yeah. church.
0: <laughs> we, all, we all learn. <laughs> all right. Well, we are going to take some time here and we're going to listen to a child's prayer. Our second piece today is, I Love to See the Temple. So what is so important about the temple that made you decide that children needed this song?
1: Well, it came a little bit as an assignment, really. The stake I was living in across town in Provo here, they were wanting to, the primary, excuse me, stake primary president wanted to have a five-minute temple time all year. And, and asked me to write something that would help the t- children love the temple. And so I wrote it for her and they approved it and it was sung there uh, during that year. And then I, I, ha- I had no temple when I grew up in Oregon. We had to go to Idaho Falls. Every time we would come around that curve into Idaho Falls and we see the temple, I the thought would just come to me as a teenager, I'd love to see the temple. <laughs> and so I just chose that as my title. Um I one of the sad things that that was sweet but sad is a couple took their children, their baby to the temple in Washington, DC. And they took turns going in to do a session while the other tended the baby on the grounds. And while the while the father was while the mother was in the session, well, she sang sang the baby to sleep, singing "I love to see the temple." And then she went in. And when she came out, the police were there, an ambulance, and some kind of accident. The baby, it was not uh, not a not a baby, baby, a, a young, young child mm-hmm. had had some kind of accident. And I never wanted to ask how, but, and she had been killed wow. during that, during that session. And she said it, it brought me so much comfort to me to know that the last words I sang to her were, I love to see the temple. So That's a, a very sad story. As yeah. for me, we had a little baby that, was born to us that only lived eight days and i love to see the temple which i can see out of my provo utah window now um because it reminds me of our ceiling there and that he's gone but he not forever
0: yeah i can see that beautiful picture of the provo temple behind you as well
1: oh yeah you can
0: (laughs) i'm so we we have used that song with our own children as well as we've traveled around the country and seen different temples. Uh, it's a it definitely has a very catchy melody that children will grasp onto. And so I, I want to sort of go into more of a practical side. When you're writing for children's voices, how do you approach writing differently than if you're writing for adult voices?
1: Well, I haven't thought about that much. I guess it's just keeping it simpler let the let the melody go where they expect it to go they'll learn it easier that's something i've never considered you just kind of automatically do it different for children
0: okay we're now going to listen to i love to see the temple See Our third piece today, I'd like to talk about Heal Our Land, which you wrote with Senator Orrin Hatch and we talked about earlier. Could you tell us a little bit more about the background of writing this piece? Where where did the initial idea come from?
1: Well, it was a, at a time when our country needed healing. <laughs> I don't remember the year, but it was Orrin that initiated it. He said, I want to write a, a song called Heal Our Land because he said, we need help with spiritual help out here. And I. he said, I want to write it, but I want you to fix it and put your ideas in very strongly. He said, I have a feeling something will happen, good will happen with this song. And he said, I think when you start writing the music, you'll get the same feeling. And we had written many patriotic songs there, and and gospel songs but this one was kind of a combination and when i sat sat down and went through my routine of praying to know how to write it i and all the time i was writing it i thought he's right things are going to happen with this song but but i don't know what and i called him up and said this song practically wrote itself And I had the same feeling that you did. So it's kind of up to you back there to see where it gets used. (laughs) (laughs) He gave copies to all his colleagues. Wow. And then he had a a black singer, Wintley Phipps, that he wanted to sing it at the prayer breakfast, which he did. And, oh, he's good. He came out and sang it on our recording, too. And I, I don't know, that song... Uh It's hard to give Mac Wilberg to to actually accept a song that you've written into the <laughs> choir, but he did. He did write an arrangement of Heal Our Land that the ta- Tabernacle Choir did too. Wow, I, I don't know, and it's it's sung been sung many times at the National Prayer Breakfast and in on patriotic occasions. So. I don't know. I think it's maybe the most important song that we wrote to, together.
0: And is this the piece that was sung at President Bush's second inauguration as well?
1: Yes. Yes, it was. And How, that's, how was that that's,
0: experience, uh, <laughs> hearing your song oh, well, sung there? Yeah,
1: well, I didn't know it was going to be. <laughs> in. And so I was here watching it on TV. <laughs> I don't think he knew for sure until... Until it was, until it happened, but it was actually just the last song that was sung in public before the inauguration began. Uh-huh. It was part. It was part of it because everyone was there. Yeah. And he came out and sang it with on our recording of him. I think I mentioned that.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, well, we're going to now listen to Heal Our Land.
2: So far.
0: Lastly, we're going to talk about Love is Spoken Here. And I think this song can resonate with so many people. This is another beautiful partner song uh, about prayer and a family prayer and f- praying with your family. Talk talk about this, this concept and what you were thinking as you wrote it.
1: Well, the situation when it started is uh, my husband and I were attending a party for an outgoing state president somewhere in uh, north of here. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the the next city, but um we had a little break in the in the meeting there and I said to my husband who was used to this kind of thing I need a, a topic for the, the church music contest for children and and I need it really soon and can you help me? As he often did and he he said, well, how long have you known about this? And I said, well, just this one year. And he just rolled his eyes and he said, okay. <laughs> a little later, he pointed into, he said, look above the sink in there. There's a beautiful cross-stitch sample and it says, love is spoken here. That's your title. And I loved it. And I thought that could be a two, one of these two-part songs where you sing one, and the other, and then sing them together. And so I came home and wrote it. First year, it didn't do anything in the contest. Second year, it won first prize, same piece, <laughs> different, different judge. He told me who he was. and He said, That's a crime that, that wasn't chosen last year. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell who it was. <laughs> anyway, that's how it came about. And I entered it in, hoping it will will be in the new hymn book still. Yeah. They have to- told me the most they will say right now is that some of mine, they will tell me they're being considered for it. But that's that's one step further than hearing nothing.
0: Right. That's further than I've gotten. So yeah. <laughs> I haven't gotten any feedback from my submissions.
1: <laughs> no, Nobody has. <laughs> anyway, I, I kind of have faith that it will be.
0: Yeah. So either thinking about this song specifically or other songs, you know, you've mentioned hearing the Tabernacle Choir sing your pieces or the, you know, being performed at inauguration. Have there ever been any moments that have sort of surprised you where suddenly you're hearing music that you've written, whether this piece or another, that you weren't expecting in a certain location or a certain situation?
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, My husband and I did a tour of Eight cities in Japan, followed by eight cities in Taiwan. And I actually learned my songs in those languages. <laughs> I was 70 years old, so it was our last trip. <laughs> but uh, we went in their primary, and they started with that song just Almost yelling it, <laughs> it wasn't too reverent, but they all knew the words, and I heard it in Chinese, uh, Japanese, I, and I kind of was singing along because I had learned it to sing on our fireside oh, with, with the whole group, and and uh, I I don't know, I just didn't know the music had spread so far, and when we spoke in the in the main session with their whole stake, they sang it with us, so. And when we got over to Taiwan, the same thing. Wow. So because, because they were in the primary book, they spread. Yeah, that's They're,
0: fantastic.
1: And we have uh, uh, five albums in Japanese, too. So that helped them to spread there.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay, well, we are now going to listen to Love is Spoken Here. So Janice, I know you were retired. Are you still writing music? Or are you enjoying retirement?
1: Uh, both. Yeah. I'm not writing a lot anymore because uh, there's no way to get the music out now. It's just not done that way. Everyone, we have every piece we have done is on the download sites, all of them. Yeah. But that's the only way people get their music now. And so the only thing I've been writing for a couple of years now is a stake president, David Larson, uh, in, in Dallas East Stake. He said, let's write songs based on the conference talks. Oh, nice. And I said, okay, let's try that. That would be nice. He is a wonderful poet, and he's taken the essence of the talks for the apostles and the first presidency and the women that speak. And he writes he writes a hymn text for them and he's he's just wonderful at it. He was just released as the state president last week but uh, th- and he sent them to me. We've just finished all the hymns we've done it for about eight conferences. Wow and, and uh, so we attribute it to them, but it's uh you know it's it's our take on what they said. Sure. But but we make it as close to what they says as we can. And then one at one time we decided, well, let's just do our favorite one each each year. <laughs> and I and he said that's always Elder Holland, isn't it? <laughs> and I said yes. Let me give you a challenge. Write a hymn for every conference talk he has given as an apostle. I think it was 46 or something. He went back and did it. And we, wow. we we have published them all in a little choir book.
0: Oh, that's great. I'll have to look for that.
1: Yeah, so, and we've done the others too, but this is the one that was just dedicated to him. That's great. He, he was in a, he was the general authority it was in Chile when my husband and I served our mission there.
0: Oh, So we very
1: we have a very close relationship with him. Yeah, and love that man. Love them all. (laughs) And those messages, people can sing them in their homes or wherever they can't. You know, we can't. We can't distribute them.
0: Sure. Well, Janice, if my listeners want to learn more about you and your music, could you plug your website?
1: is that my jk perry at mac.com or... <laughs> i'm not a computer wise.
0: i think it's just janice oh that's what it is
1: okay
0: sure. thank you steve <laughs> for knowing that <laughs> well hey listeners out there here at the beginning of season six you may have noticed the awesome new logo that i'm using now this logo looks great on a shirt a mug a sticker a hoodie or any other number of items this design is available through Tee Public, and you can get there through my website, slash movable dough, and click where it says merch. Let others know how much you enjoy this show. Well, Janice, it was a privilege and an honor to talk with you today. Thank you for joining me on movable dough.
1: Thank you very much, Steve. It's a good work you're doing. Thank you. I've enjoyed some of your other oh, sessions wonderful. too.
0: Well, my guest today was composer Janice Cat Perry. If you have a recommendation for a future guest or an idea for the show, please email me at movabledoe at gmail.com. This is Steve Danielson. Keep the music moving.